So he went from post to post to post. Some guys were wiping his forehead, some guys patting him on the back, screaming and cheering, but he did it by himself. And he finished the job, 20-something more telephone poles. He just rips out of the ground. Jeez. So I'm eight. I don't have the, you know, the, the thought capacity yet to articulate all that's going on in that moment. To me, it's just, this is the Miller legacy on display. It felt yeah. bigger than his, you know, his superhuman feet. It felt yeah. like this is us, not just him. So he, he walks over and he put, puts the towel on the table. It's the donuts and hot chocolate table where I'm, I'm stationed. And he starts picking splinters out of his arms and leans down and gives me a big bicep flex. And he said, son, don't you ever forget, dynamite always comes in small packages. This is episode number 147 with Stephen Miller. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We have another awesome show for you and guest for you today. Uh, once again, my name is Dave Brown. I'm here with my co-host, Barbara Allen. And before we get into this week's episode, I just want to remind you all and let you guys know that we just released a brand new community called The Great American Syndicate. We have a free Facebook group uh, right now that you can uh, sign up and join and become a member. Just go to facebook.com forward slash great American Syndicate. And in conjunction with our brand new community, we also released uh, a, a new patriotic shirt that you can get absolutely free. All you have to do is pay shipping and handling. So if you're interested in claiming a free shirt, just head on over to Great American Syndicate dot com. Uh, enter your name and email, uh, pay shipping and handling, and we'll send you out uh, one of your shirts straight away. So check that out. Uh, these are really, really cool design called Living the Dream. Uh, we're big believers of the American dream of positivity, possibility, and patriotism and the opportunities and freedoms that we have here. And that's why we designed this shirt. So head on over to greatamericansyndicate.com and get your shirt today. Uh, today's guest, Stephen Miller Sr., he is a martial arts expert, a former MMA fighter, a strength athlete with five still standing world records to his credit. He's a high impact, motivational, inspirational speaker, trainer, and mentor to some of America's top sports and entertainment people. Stephen and his son, Stephen uh, II, have become a leading father and son motivational team in America. And in this episode, Stephen shares his story of discovering his own strength and turns his own experiences into lessons you can apply in your own life. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Stephen Miller. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Hey there, this is Barb Allen. I am very excited to be here today with our guest, Stephen Miller, who I had the great honor of meeting last year, no pun intended, I guess, at the greater event in McAllen, Texas, when I got to share the stage with Stephen and his son and a whole host of other amazing people, including Marie Cosgrove, the host, Nick Wojcik, the winner, one of the phenomenal speakers there, and one of my longtime people I've looked up to. And since then, I've had... Um, 
I've had the pleasure of following Stephen online and seeing all the incredible things he does as a man of faith and just as a humble, spiritual human being who, when you sit down, you talk to you, Stephen, you would never guess that you're like this ridiculously insane beast who can do the things that you do <laughs> because <laughs> you're just so down to earth about all of it. And it's phenomenal. I love, I think you reinforce the fact that you just never know who you're sitting by, who you're walking past, <laughs> who you're standing next to, right? You just never know. Steven, I'm not even going to go into your whole martial arts experts resume. The fact that you are still standing five world records you've got to your credit. I'm going to let you talk about all of that and your history and how you got into that. Then we're going to talk about the things you're passionate about now today, which is what you were just sharing with me before we started recording. I'm excited to get to it all. And I'm very happy that you stuck with us throughout this process. And we have you here today with us. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be uh, on the, the interview with you. <laughs> so let's start. Let's go back through your, okay. you know, through your story to get you to where you are today. Um, and then we're going to get really into your retreats that you have coming up and the new book you have coming out. Okay. So let's go back to your history as a young boy. I think you had this moment. Let's go to where you're eight years old. Can you share yeah. that story that happened you with your dad? You remembered. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's a powerful yeah. story. <laughs> well, it's like, so I, I you know, when... I've studied, as you have as well, um, great people, people that make an impact. There's always a moment or two somewhere in their life that they can point to, and it's their own personal BC, before and after. There's life as it was up to that moment, and then there's life looking completely different after that moment. Whether it's, you know, a, a grade school teacher that believed in them, or, you know, some traumatic thing that change the trajectory of their life. Great people have those moments. And then, um, so what happens is when you start studying those moments in people, you realize that those life-changing moments, I call them dynamite moments, shameless plug. It's what my book, yes. first book is about. <laughs> These dynamite moments have a certain anatomy to them. There's always certain things that were present, certain things that were just you know, like the perfect storm. And when you learn that, then instead of sitting around the rest of your life waiting for your magic moment, you start going out and creating great moments. So my father created one for me when I was eight years old, as you referred to. And, uh, you know, my father was a, 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 one of the original guys, a Navy frogman, UDT team, you know, special forces guy. And I, I was eight years old. I was small for my age, nothing exceptional about me. But my dad was, um, it was a work day at the church that we attended. And the objective for the men was to remove these telephone poles that were surrounding the property. Um, it was a three strand barbed wire fence. Essentially, they're telephone poles, about six feet tall, wires from each one. And so one guy had this uh, commercial flatbed truck that he was backing into a post several times, pull around to the other side, back into, they were trying to loosen the pole up so they could put a chain around it, pull it out. So they did the first couple of poles and each one took like 25 minutes to get out of the ground. Clearly my dad's thought process was, I am not going to stay here for an all day project that could be <laughs> done in about 20 minutes. Goodness. So he, he walks over and he puts a towel, drapes it across his chest 
walks over to a telephone pole that they had not yet loosened. And he squats down and gives it a big bear hug. And he screams this scream that would raise the hair on your neck. And he stands straight up and pull, rips this post out of the ground. It freaked everybody out. I like bet. you can't imagine. It was <laughs> mass pandemonium erupted. And of course, then my dad's adrenaline was just, you know, off the charts. So he went from post to post to post. Some guys were wiping his forehead. Some guys patting him on the back, screaming and cheering. But he did it by himself. And he finished the job. 20-something more telephone poles. He just rips out of the ground. Jeez. So I'm eight. I don't have the, you know, the, the thought capacity yet to articulate all that's going on in that moment. To me, it's just, this is the Miller legacy on display. It felt yeah. bigger than his, you know, his superhuman feet. It felt yeah. like this is us, not just him. So he, he walks over and he put, puts the towel on the table. It's the donuts and hot chocolate table where I'm, I'm stationed. And he starts picking splinters out of his arms and leans down and gives me a big bicep flex. And he said, son, don't you ever forget dynamite always comes in small packages. It's great. It, it took him eight seconds to say that, but Barbara, literally, that is what set the trajectory for my life. This unshakable, uncommon sense of, um, you know, I would call it modest confidence because it's, it's, it's really off the charts confidence, but minus the the nauseating attitude that usually comes along with that <laughs> yeah it's not boastful it's just factual it's it's hey, just I you know it's this, like this. that my dad did that it's in my yeah. genes i can't help this i was born for this kind of thing you know <laughs> yeah <That's laughs> so great. that just started it and from then on you know i was i was never the biggest guy in the school but i was always the guy you know excelling in every sport setting state records and you know every sport just you know it just anything that I thought I wanted to do that I tried, of course, and right about that time is when he started me off in martial arts. And, you know, I'm 55 now. I've never, I've never been out of that. So I should have learned a little something by now. <laughs> I think you've learned more than a little something. <laughs> I mean, where you've gone. So what did you, you make it through high school. And I mean, did you see yourself going where you are now? Or did you have other plans? Did you life takes some turns along the way? Well, no, um, it, I just kind of, there's a couple of principles that my dad would share with me that have, have been a part of, you know, directing the path. One, as he said, son, if you don't spend your life on something that will live longer than you, then you will have wasted your time. Hmm. And of course he was referring to mentorship and he'd say, you know, you got a gift, son. And there's, there's an old saying that says, all the world loves a strong man. And, and that's true. There's something about, you know, superhuman feats and, you know, physicality of achievements and physicality and all that, that the world loves. So he, he'd say, there will always be people following you. Make sure you're leading them in the best direction. So I never took you know, the world records, the, you know, the, the world ranking and, and the mixed martial arts and all. And I never took that overly serious. What I always saw it as it just strengthens my platform, gives yeah. me, opens the door and gives me more people to talk to. But the real core of my life has always been, I've got something to say, not yeah. just something to show. I'll show you something that'll get your attention and then let's have a conversation. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, that is a very effective way. If you don't have people's attention first, what's the point, right? And you yeah. definitely, you have my attention that night, man. <laughs> you had several thousand people's attention at that event in Texas. It was amazing. You and your son. So let's talk then about, about your path you took. You make mm -hmm. it you know, you're growing up, you're a young man. What is the first step you take into the adult world? Did you go get a nine to five job while you were training? What did you do? Uh, I don't do that very well. <laughs> I'm not a very good nine to five guy. Yes. But, you know, um, I just, I, I married very young, um, married my, my wife. I was 17. She was oh 18. Goodness. Um, this year we will celebrate 38 years together. Wow, that's beautiful. And um, uh, so, so you know, I started from um, in, in my teen years, uh, which was kind of already living the adult life as a married man. I'd say in those, in those teen years, you know, I was I was competing in you know taekwondo stuff all around the world, um, and at the same time I was you know, serving as a youth leader in my church. So there was always these parallel tracks. Yeah. One complemented and strengthened the ability of the other. Then one thing kind of leads to another. That's the way it's always been. I never sat down. I'm not a big guy on, you know, a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. I think, you know, God puts things in front of you and how you respond to those is what determines what comes next, you know, after that. Uh, and so, um, you know, I was, I was doing the Taekwondo stuff and I kept getting disqualified from tournaments for excessive aggressiveness, not, not angry, you know, not wanting to kill people, but just uh, too intense. I didn't hear the bell, didn't hear the whistle. And so at that time I'd already, I had a couple dojos in Orange County, California. So I had this system I had developed called reality combat systems where all during the week I'm training airline employees, ATF officers in, you know, real life combat, hand-to-hand -hand combat and self-defense. And then in the weekends, I'm going to these Taekwondo tournaments. So my promoter at the time said, look, this is going to keep happening. Um, there's this thing called uh, no holds barred. It wasn't called MMA yet. <clears throat> okay. And he said, you know, you just get in a cage and you just start banging it out until somebody gives up. I said, man, that's me. <laughs> Sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> so he set one up for me. And, um, uh, you know, it, it was, it, I got bit by the bug. I did very well. I lost twice in my whole you know, career. Um, what did you I'll, feel after those, <laughs> after those losses? How was that? Talk about the first loss you had. Was it unexpected? Um, no, I was, I was, I was more, um, you know, appreciative, appreciative and kind of shocked that I was immediately at the place I was. And the reason, here's the reason. So at that time when I had my first, you know, pro MMA no holds barred fight, I had already had two world records in hand strength. And so promoters never felt it was fair to match me with somebody my size. They always right. felt like to, to create an even fight, they needed to put me across the cage from a giant. So I never fought anybody my size in my whole career. The smallest Jeez. opponent I ever had. Now, look, I'm 5'11", yeah. and typically on my fight weight, I didn't, there weren't weights or, or uh, uh, you know, weight classes or rounds or anything at that point. So you didn't have to make weight. But my natural weight was about 220. Dan Severn was my second pro fight. He was the reigning world champion. 
um, in, in UFC at the time. He's 6'2", 295. I never fought anybody smaller than him. <laughs> so I was the giant killer. <laughs> I'd say. But, so then what happens with that? You know, you get, uh, I got about 30, 38, you know, uh, 38 in that sport as an old man. And so I figured <clears throat> I'm going to, you know, take the next chapter. And I had discovered in a training session, preparing for my second fight with Dan Severn, um, I've hired a guy who's known as the master of hand strength worldwide. Dennis Rogers is his name. And he took me through this battery of tests just to kind of see where I was starting. And he kept going, hmm, hmm. You know, it's all grip elements and hand strength and so forth. So he pointed to a chart. He, I, I, kept, I asked him, I said, what's all the hmm, hmm about? He said, look, he said, right here, here's where a professional athlete is. Here's where the average guy is. And here's a professional athlete. He said, here's where you just rated in, in these four elements. He said, you know, that's world-class hand strength. And I said, nope, I didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, I knew I was pretty strong, but I didn't know that. Yeah. So me and Dennis, my the mentor that I hired, um, we actually started doing shows together all around the world. So it's a natural, you know, I, I, I stepped out of the, the octagon and went straight into strongman performing. Um, shows, prisons, church groups, schools, um, and, you know, it just kept going. So I like what you said that you had mentioned, you hired a mentor. I want to hit on that for a minute because it's something that uh, – it can be hard to understand why you should get a mentor, why you should invest in a mentor, especially for people who may be struggling on their budget and, you know, yeah. why should I get a mentor? And for somebody like you at really the top of their field, I think there are some people who would be surprised, well, why would he hire a mentor? Right. So I love that. I love that you did that. Even at that level, you understood the value of getting, talk about that. How did how did you d decide it was time to get a mentor? How did you pick yours? And what's a, what's well, a pro of getting a mentor that you could talk to people about? No. Yeah. The basis of it was, and I know it wasn't original with my father, but everything he said to me kind of sounded original. So yeah. I still credit him. He, he said this to me one time. He said, if you ever see a turtle sitting on top of a pole, you can safely assume somebody put it there. <laughs> it's actually pretty great. <laughs> because turtles don't climb poles. Yeah. And of course, my dad was just all for, you know, all about mentoring and not only having mentors, but but mentoring others. And so, you know, I, I started, goodness, 20 years ago, I started really developing this concept that um, the Greeks, ancient Greeks referred to this thing, they call it the metron. The metron is the sphere or the circle from within which every person does life. Everybody has a metron. It's your personal space or your world, right? And there, it consists of seven dimensions. Spiritual, cognitive, emotional, and then family, social, physical, and finance. Okay. And uh, the perfect man or the complete man is not the guy who's a, a, you know, a 10 all the way around, but it's a guy who has equal development all the way around. Because because of my my role as you know as a professional athlete and um, you know a leader in in, uh, in in the faith community is I'm the guy they always called in to talk to a guy who had tremendously excelled in one dimension 
and was bombing out in another. So, you know, one dimensional success became something that I was very familiar with in terms of counseling other people. Okay. And, um, and it's not, it's not success. You know, it's the guy who's got, you know, $20 million in the bank and he's a jerk and has no friends. Yeah. Or the guy who's a great family guy and a great husband, but he's going to die 15 years too soon because he's terribly fat, doesn't take care of himself. Got it. Or the guy who's yeah. a great father, but can never do for his family what he wants to do because he's always broke paycheck to paycheck. So the model that most of us men, especially, but, but really all of us, the model that we've been taught to follow is in that Metron that consists of seven dimensions that we are responsible for all of them. Typically people excel in one, maybe another, and then they're terrible in the others. So, so I started developing this, this idea of, you know, creating these systematic ways of approaching your Metron. So there's equal development. And if you're a five all the way around on the scale of one to 10, then, you know, you stand a far greater chance of making progress and succeeding in your life than if you're a 10, then a two and a nine and a one. Yeah, it's like trying to roll great. an egg straight. You can't roll an egg straight. It's got to, you know, be spherical. So that is a great um, way of explaining it. I've never heard it outlined like that before. And as I've you're saying it, it just makes it. sense. Yes. Let's talk about it. It's called circle management. Okay. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's basically that it, 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 you know, it talks about the whole idea of a Metron, why it's so important, um, you know, how they're interconnected, you know, excelling in one, failing in another, it, it matters because every dimension affects the other and is interrelated. So we talk about all that. And then we talk about the systematic way of, of living your life so that all of your 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 metron or your dimensions get the same level of attention time and effort and thus you know there's this steady growth and development of the entirety of your life rather than just one dimension what would you say to somebody right now in the middle of this covid crisis when we're all supposed to stay home you know all the restrictions and all the people have gone yeah. out of business their health is failing you know it's just things are sort of coming undone layer by layer by layer in so many people's lives. What would be some advice that you would have for somebody who is now feeling like they're spiraling out of control or teetering on the edge and about to go over and a full-fledged stressed out panic doesn't know what to do? Yeah. Well, first of all, it is terrible. I, I have to give myself a serious attitude adjustment in all this because I bounce from, you know, how dare you guys with the conspiracy and then, the anger over, you know, people's lives that are just being absolutely destroyed. Yeah. You know, they're, it's crazy, but I would say, you know, like in any other, you know, real catastrophe in life, there are, there are always people that rise up and, and take their shot in the middle of, you know, catastrophes. Um, in fact, one of the backdrops often for these dynamite moments mm -hmm are very negative and dark times and situations because we always have a choice in that, you know, we're made to feel like we don't, but there's always a choice. So I think you got to, you know, I, I encourage people to step back a little bit, separate from the, you know, the emotional side of things, 
and and you know and and goodness I, I, it would be a whole conversation but yeah. um you know it's bigger than just this moment it, it feels insurmountable it feels like it's swallowing us all up but we're going to get through it there is going to be life after covid-19 and for some people it's going to be bigger and better than ever yeah, because they're I've positioning seen. themselves mm-hmm. in the middle of all this you know for i'll give you an example so right now at our church we're the only church that we know of at least in america that we went out and bought six of these big UV-C machines and it's ultraviolet rays of the highest, you know, kind of technology. They're like $6,000 a piece per machine. And you plug them in, in between services. we got a very large church. So in between, so you plug them in, these lights come on and it kills 99.9% of all pathogens in the air. Crazy. Because we're trying to make our people feel, you know, comfortable and safe about returning. Now yeah. we're opening back up. So, you know, we're sitting there thinking, looking at this and going, you know, if a guy wanted to buy one or two of these machines, and when these bars and nightclubs and restaurants start opening up that can't afford a $6,000 machine, a guy could, he could develop a route, yeah. you know, of, of seven, eight restaurants a night. Um, and just roll in there and it takes you plug them in, turn these things on. It takes three minutes to zap everything in the air. Every three minutes. Germ, that's three it. minutes. Wow. Anything living on the surface in the air, any pathogen bacteria is done. So, okay. I can't afford a $6,000 machine, but if I can talk, you know, 15 restaurants in the, you know, let me come do your, do your deal for, you know, a hundred bucks a week, yeah. 200 bucks a week. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There's always an opportunity not to capitalize on, because if what you're doing to capture the moment hurts other people, then you're just an idiot. Yes. There's a fine line, right? (laughs) But if you're going to figure something to do some way in this catastrophe, that's going to help you and it's going to help other people, then it's a win. And that's what happens in every time that there is, you know, some kind of issue like this. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'd be curious to know if anybody listening to that actually goes out and does exactly what you just said. Two guys in the church already are. Yeah, Yeah. that's great. That's great. I'm thinking I got kids who are in college who are, you know, in upheaval. They don't know if they're going back, what's happening. I'm like, hey, boys, (laughs) that's not a bad idea. (laughs) That's pretty cool. And, And I do love that. You have to get creative. You just really need to look around and be I. I've been looking around the world. That's not something that I've come up with in my own world, um, you know, but that's super cool. Most of the stuff that I think people are leaning towards is online work. How can I be a virtual help? How can I be a virtual help? But that's the first one I've heard, uh, concept I've heard about in person. What do you think about live events? Do you think they're coming back with any kind of strength? I sure want them to, but I think it's going to be a little while. Yeah. People wearing masks and... Like, can you imagine trying yeah. to speak to an audience that's all six feet apart, wearing masks, and they're all just like smothered by it? But, but right, but you're talking I'm not to one now, so I just I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> how how do you go out there and speak to people who are uncomfortable, like they can't breathe, they're hot, they're worried, they're upset? I mean, who's gonna who's gonna grasp any value out of that moment when? Yeah. And how do you as a speaker what, capture their attention has, when they're focused on I think, comfort? Yeah, I'm sorry. No, that, go what ahead. I, what I think has to happen in this time is, you know, I mean, the hysteria 
and the fear that is being created in people just by the language we use to describe what we're going through right now, it has to change. And people uh, that are a little more, you know, leveled out in their thinking and their approach and observation of things, it, they, they have to talk about it every chance they get. Yeah. For example, one, if I may. Yes, please. I, 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 I'm so exasperated hearing this thing called the deadly coronavirus. Deadly? Really? No, if you're out in the jungle by yourself and you get bit by a black mamba, you're probably going to die. That's deadly. Right. If you're flying in a 747 and it crashes. That's deadly because you're not making it through that. Right. But concerning a disease or a, a, a viral infection that 99.2% of the people survive it, it's not deadly. Yeah. It's deadly to some, but to those some, everything is. A cold, flu, right. it's all deadly. So I think, you know, we, we have to we have to try to neutralize this crazy fear because this has done a number on us, on, on our culture. Yeah, it's it historic really times. I tell my kids, Mike, you guys are living through history right now. Like ours was 9-11, but this is different. And yeah, whew, crazy, crazy stuff. But speaking of the live events, you are planning your own in-person event based off another book you have. I knew about the this book, but I didn't know about the other book you mentioned. Now you yeah. have... So you have two I, books coming out. I, I don't know. I don't know when the circle management book, when I'm going to have it come out. Cause you don't want to just, you know, flood the market with yeah. all your books at once. But the next book that's coming out, both of these two, I finished in quarantine, by the way. Perfect. <laughs> but the next one coming out is called the Adulam experience. Yeah. Let's talk about and, that. Yeah. The Adulam experience. Adulam refers to the cave. It was the name of the cave where, the ancient uh, King David of, of Israel, when he was running for his life, he hid out and he hid in this cave called Adullam. And lo and behold, 400 guys found out he was hiding in the cave. And they were 400 of the most beat up, broken, defeated, depressed guys you can imagine. And they joined him in the cave. Not the kind of guys you want to start a revolution with. Yeah. <laughs> but... And while we don't know everything that happened inside the cave, what we do know is those are the exact same guys that are now referred to historically as David's mighty men. They were the most fierce, battle-ready, heroic warriors the world has ever, ever known. And so the book, because I think, you know, right now, well, we all need help, but my, you know, my lane, so to speak, right. and my gift is... Um, you know, I spend all of my time. That's how what I serve uh, as in our church is I'm, I'm I pastor the men is the men in America. We need serious help. You know, we're 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 broken. We're we don't even know what to be. You know, we, we say oh, I'm a man and masculine and we feel guilty because cultures, you know, beating us up and assaulting us over masculinity and manhood and all that kind of thing. We don't know what to be. So the book. In the book, I talk about, you know, the the ideal man. And some of that also is based on the Metron idea. Right. It's not the guy walking around beating his chest, caveman style. You know, it's the guy, the Renaissance man, who gives equal amounts of attention to all the valuables in, in his life. You know, you can be all of it. You really can. I'm, I'll come back to the, the, the yeah. book. Well, yeah, I'm yeah. really kind of talking about the book. But we... 
we don't even we've not only have we not been shown what a full metron looks like we've been taught that all of those are not possible you need to pick one and then go with it if you want to build a business and a big empire and get rich then go do that if you want to build a family and a great marriage then do that but you can't do both yeah and you can't do them all at once right you have to have a system you can't be working on all these areas but you can live systematically in a way that it automatically distributes equal time, attention, and effort to the whole Metron because you can have it all. You really can. To me, all is, you know, you can be a great husband and a great father and you can make some money and build a business and be in good shape and have a lot of friends and be smart and be in control of your emotion. And you can be all of that. So, so the book is coming out probably first of July and it's written, you know, it, it, it's, anybody will will benefit from it but it's written specifically to men right. and it will kind of serve as the, the the content basically serves as the foundation of the curriculum for an event that we are going to start doing in the fall and it's called the adulum experience and what i'm basically doing is taking high high net worth guys ceos or what have you not because just the money thing but i want to talk to influencers um, cause even influencers are beat up and broken right now. Yeah. We take them off the grid in a retreat out to a ranch for five days, take their cell phones away, no iPads, no laptops, no nothing. And put them through this experience for four days, which is a cross between seal training and a spiritual metamorphosis all in one. Love it. And I'm, I'm pumped about it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. You are only the second person I've talked to who does something like that for men, with Bajos Koulian being the first one um, out in California. But mm-hmm. I, I think it is, it is great that these happen. And I think just by somebody registering for such a thing is a big first step because it takes a lot to, you know, to plunk down the money and plunk down the time and to maybe some men see it as, their pride, you know, they don't want to admit that they need the help. So uh, kudos to you for making that happen. I think the ripple effect of that will be people returning to their families, to their communities, strengthening all of that. And I think you're going to see a lot of ripple effect. I'm working on a similar event for women uh, myself, because I haven't seen anybody doing this for women. Right. But we'll see. It's all going to be dependent on what you're, you know, allowed to do and how many people you can put in. You can't run that event and have 20 men there on a ranch wearing masks and we won't be wearing masks. Just not going to happen. You know, you just, it, the impact is just not going to, it's not going to work put, that way. You can't put the gloves on, step into a ring and then crawl through mud with the mask on. <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, you just can't. So are you going to go ahead and do that no matter what the current restricts, re, you know, regulations are? I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not sure I, if yeah. it was just, me right and i was deciding it i would um i'd do it next week and find a way but you know i mean i have to consider the comfort and confidence level of the people that will be our clientele right so So, we'll 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 see how things you know continue opening up at least here in texas things are opening up very quickly texas yes (laughs) texas is awesome that's why i I know i always felt like i should have been born in texas i know so many people in (laughs) texas that keep going there and i'm like man you guys you just get so many things right, I think. Um, you know, we're, we're in I, New York, so could you pray for us a little bit in New York? <laughs> <laughs> pray for us a lot. <laughs> we have a few more years till Dave's youngest graduates high school, and then we're, 
we're, uh, you know, freedom bound yeah. kind of thing. But so, yeah, I, I would just keep asking those questions because I'm curious. We talk about innovation and I think one of the things we're going to have to be innovative in is how we do these events, yeah. given exactly what you said, the comfort level of, of attendees. And yeah. I don't know what that's going to look like. And I'm asking because I, I want to see how other people are unfolding and how you're going to do that. Because unfortunately, it's going to be something that we have to put into play yeah. when we're planning, for whether us, they have to get for tested. This event, or, fortunately, yeah. is um, we're, we're not talking about, you know, bigger is better in terms of yeah. big crowd numbers. Uh, you know, we will we will limit this to tops 25 guys at a time. I'll just do yes. I'll do a lot of them each year. But the magic of the the program and its effectiveness really need, I need 25 guys tops or, or less. Yeah. And I think that's so a good size event. That is a good size event. And I think anything more than that, it's very difficult to give the individualized attention and really, you know, when you're in a group setting, you got this person asking the question, that person, you're stopping. It's really hard. I think to get, you know, full value out of events. So I think that's a perfect Perfect yeah. size number. I'm excited to see that. Incidentally, the first full 24 hours of this event, the men are not allowed to talk. No. Period. Come on. Seriously. They're not permitted to say a word. No way. Well, then maybe you need, you know, masks on <laughs> no matter what. Like, maybe. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Because, you know, the first day is critical. Everybody shows up, you know, all bowed up and, you know, they're in their defense mode. Yeah. And then everybody's got advice for the other guy. Um, oh, that's true. It's like, listen, just be quiet. For just receive. Hours, yeah, just receive. Just be quiet and receive. Let's set this thing up. And then, and then, you know, so anyway, I don't tell the whole You don't want to give all your now. secrets away. I'm going to just keep talking and pull it out of you little by little. <laughs> that's great. So I saw on your website that you're also involved or you're sharing information on another event called Frequent Knock. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of part of that community. Frequent yeah. Frequent Knock is a is an offshoot event of Secret Knock, right? Which is an event in San Diego put on by Greg Reed. Um, Greg is you know uh, him and Sharon Lecter together are kind of they run the whole Napoleon Hill Foundation. Okay. Greg Reed wrote the hundred year anniversary to Think and Grow Rich. Okay. Um, yeah. So. Uh, and it's a great event. It's it's kind of more of a high, a production. It's it's there's some secrecy to it in that it's invitation only. Um, well, I rephrase to get straight in smooth sailing. It's invite. Right. You can apply to attend this event, but you got to be able to afford it, and then you have to go. You know, you have to be filtered, so to speak. Yeah, because we it's. The, the 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 speakers lineup is is ridiculous and it's guys that get up there and they got 15 minutes you know you get vicente fox former president of mexico put him on stage in the average event he's got 90 minutes yeah in this event he's got 15 because wow. there's 10 more guys coming up that day right after him all having 15 minutes <clears throat> who have achieved just as much in their area so anyway the conversation is high level the style of delivery is very, you know, bullet point, not time to unwrap a lot of it. So you need people yeah. that really, you know, can, can unwrap it and understand it and all that. Yeah. But anyway, it's a great event. So you really have your thumbs in a lot of different pies, right? That's cool. It's 
to, to be so diverse. I want to talk a little bit about the work you do as a faith leader too, because mm -hmm. that is also very important. And I am someone who was raised in the Catholic church and I won't go too far into it, but for me, I've, what that experience taught me, it gave me, it, it's still a little, you know, some faith foundation, but then it also stifled faith. Yeah. I felt like it made me feel like religion is a great way to ruin faith, like organize, you know, because that was the experience I had. To me, it was an oppressive environment uh, that I just didn't want to be a part of anymore. So I walked away with my faith intact, you know, but um, after a long battle. So I love to see other communities, other churches, other faiths that really just go all in on the joy and keep it real. Yeah. And it looks really like that's what you all do. There. Yeah. The name of our church is called Inspire Church. Yeah. Inspire means breathed on in, in Latin. That's where the word comes from. In, in, uh, I don't know how to say it. I'm not Latin. <laughs> inspire, inspire means breathed on by God. And, and you know, when God breathes on you, it's not a, it's not a, debilitating experience it's elevating it's exuberant it's joy it's all those good things but i like the way you said that because you said something that's key i one of the chapters in my book circle management is yeah. i write about spirituality because really that's the the core it's the starting point um but spirituality that chapter is not a chapter about religion yeah it's about spirituality and, and faith um, and it has to be a part of the pursuit of your life because it's core in terms of giving life and breath to every other dimension. Nothing else is automatic, but it certainly becomes easier to develop when you have that intact in your life. And yeah. unfortunately, religion has stymied that pursuit in so many people. Yes. And it's also weaponized, I think, to, <laughs> for yeah. a lot of political reasons. God has reasons. a lot of misrepresentatives right yes, now. Yes, <laughs> he does. And, uh, and unfortunately, I've bumped into several of them, but I, th I think so many people have. And I look at some of the videos of your services and, you know, there's bands playing and spotlight oh, yeah, and people are singing. In the church that I grew up in, that would be labeled like blasphemous almost, like yeah. disrespectful and all this. So, You know um, what I say to that? It's yeah. like a puppy dog barking at a passing train. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I think there's just, for me personally, I just feel like I'd rather be with the people who openly express it. and on Because I know too many people who park their butts in the pews every Sunday who walk out of there afraid to die, afraid to talk to someone, afraid of this, you know, angry at this and you go yeah. do terrible things to their neighbors. But I, it's, I don't know. So yeah. I just, I have a great appreciation for how you do it. What is a typical service? If I walk into your church, what am I going to experience? Oh, wow. It's, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's light smoke, you know, big multimedia, 40 foot LED screens going and everything, because, you know, uh, the experience um, of worship is very critical and um, you know, it has changed over the years and it has the right to change over the years. There was a time when, you know, an impacting worship moment was everybody coming in with their hands folded and citing the same thing and some, you know, usually Latin and, and just reciting. You could be thinking about whether or not the chicken is burning yes. and still <laughs> praying. Yes. Th that needed to change. Yeah. 
And so, you know, one of the ways, and we're certainly not terribly unique in this, but, you know, it is a, it's a live experience, you know, because one of the things that's missing in people's lives when it comes to the pursuit of spirituality is the ability to be awed. Odd, A-W-E-D. I don't know if Mm -hmm. I'm saying it clear enough for for the microphone, but, you know, you can't lose the ability to to be odd. And there's all these great scientific experiments that are being done on the benefits of an, an experience that leaves you in awe. Yeah. And how that how that dramatically and positively affects the other dimensions of your life. And so to us, any in any and every experience in going to church can never be just routine and monotonous. It can't, you know, we don't I know what my challenges are, and most people do as well. I don't need to go to church and have somebody tell me how wrong and messed up I am. <laughs> yes. I yeah. got beat up in the cage for a living. I don't want to go to yes, church. Yes, you did, didn't up. you? <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't get beat up much. Yeah, I yeah. did the beating, but nonetheless. <laughs> I stand corrected. Yeah. <laughs> sorry about that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, you know, nobody wants to go to church yeah. to made, and be made to feel right. bad. So yeah. to us, it's just very simple. You know, um, uh, we're building a community of people that are, are like-minded and, you know, love the same things. And, and, and that is when you, when you walk into a church service, man, it needs to lift you. The world beats you up. Life pulls you down. You need an experience on a regular basis that lifts you above all of that. Yeah. We want people walking out of our services feeling like they can conquer the world. Yeah. And that's really that's great. What everything, how everything is carefully designed to affect people in that way. Very and I'm cool. not the senior pastor. I'm an associate pastor. Um, and I specifically, my lane is I'm the men's pastor. Okay. All right. Is there, so is there a separate, is there a women's pastor? Is that how it rolls? Uh, the, or, the, or the women's the uh, ministry is led by a committee of ladies. Okay. My wife is part of that committee as well. Very yeah. nice. I should say a team. I don't like committees. <laughs> okay. It is interesting how one word changes the whole connotation of things, right? Yeah. Yeah, it does change. Committee team, I like that. Okay, um, so I need to get to the question that we really enjoy asking our guests and it's what our podcast is based on. It's all, everything we do is based on this and why we started it. We started this because we saw the American dream under attack. We saw the American people being ripped apart. Unfortunately, that's only gotten worse in, in the th- almost three years since we've started this. But we are you know, doing our part to be a solution to that by bringing people like you you represent the true spirit of the true American. America is full of good people. And that's what we're trying to remind people and that you can well, thank you. S- still I achieve. Do, I share that belief. About yeah. America. Yeah. It's still full of good people. We're just being distracted by all the insanity. And now we're being tested as well. So we believe the American dream is alive and well. We're living our version of it, but still looking to build upon that. You know, it's part of that is responsibility to turn around, and help other people find that same Path, you know, but we also know it's different for everybody, and that's the key. Yeah. To every, we meet a lot of resistance because people assume that we're saying that the American dream has to be the white picket fence, the house, all that. It doesn't. Yeah. It's different for everyone. So we want to know what your version of the American dream is. What does that look like for you? Well, uh, the simple one-word answer is freedom. But freedom, you know, the way that plays out is. You know, I, I, for example, I do a lot of, as you do as well, you know, I, I, before quarantine, 
Um, I do a lot of events. I'm, you know, I'm speaking at, on big stages and everybody's there because they're chasing after, you know, something. And it usually involves, you know, living in a certain kind of house, driving a certain kind of car. I mean, something that speaks of status and what have you. It's really my, when my father, as before he passed away on Father's Day, uh, two days before Father's Day, um, two years ago, he, he lived uh, in a little farm outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee very simple house. Um, he lived on social security, but lived in, in such a way he was still able to save money every month on social security. So he had, you know, several thousand dollars in the bank, whatever, but it was freedom. Cause if my dad wanted to get in his truck, drive to Texas or to California and visit his kids for a month, he could, if he was having a good time and said, yeah, I'll stay another two weeks. Nothing's going to fall apart. You know, it, it just, the ability to live where you want to live, wear what you want to wear, drive what you want to drive, be who you want to be. And I think that that's, um, you know, we're, we were created to live in that kind of, you know, posture. Yeah. And I think it's under attack, maybe not intentionally, but inadvertently, that is what is a little bit under attack right now. So what I'm always encouraging people to do is listen, it takes level headed sound thinking people to fight against this and to preserve freedom. But you don't do that by showing up at a Capitol with Confederate flags and AR and, and, you know, breaking all the rules kind of thing. You, you got to be strategic, yep. calculated, and your life needs to show the fruit of freedom. In other words, what have you done with all of this? You live in a country where you can do what you could do in no other country on the planet. What have you done with it? I love it. That's great. Thank you. Stephen, if people want to connect with you online, follow you, learn more about you, get your books, hire you to come speak, learn about your events, any of yeah. that, how can they do that? SteveMillerSpeaking.com. That's kind of the hub. That's the website. Um, of course, I'm on, on social media. You know, the two primary ones are Steve Miller Speaking. That's the tag on Facebook. Yeah. Um, Stephen Miller Inspired is uh, our Instagram and you know, I'm, I'm not the most technical guy, so I, I don't venture out much further than Facebook and in Instagram right now, but the website's really the, the hub. Yeah. It is time consuming. It is yeah. time consuming to stay up on that. And I would encourage everybody listening to go ahead and follow Steven and get to know more. There's so much here on your story. We didn't touch. We didn't touch the amazing story of your son and his illness and how he overcame that and what he became, oh, all those things. I mean, so much to get into, to explore. It's really worth it. Pick up his books, learn about him. You will not regret it. I think anybody who follows you and learns from you is going to be well returned in the time and, and energy that they that they invest in it. So I'm very happy to have had the chance to sit down with you and share this part of your story with our community. I look forward to what's to come yeah. for you. And I thank you for being a part of what we do. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. And um, just say the word. We'll be back and finish it. Yes, I would love to do a part two because there's so much more to you. And the story about your son is just powerful. And there's a moment, so, there's a yeah. moment for in his life yeah. that was connected to the moment my father gave me at eight years old. That's very powerful to talk about. <laughs> oh, I kind of want to do it now. All right, I'm not going to do it now. I'm going to, right, okay, let's do it. Do you want to do it? <laughs> you want to go into it quick? I got to know. Oh, okay. well, okay. So my son was down in Nicaragua. Yeah. Um, he'd started his own cigar company 
So he's down there, you know, walking through the farms and going through the whole process, quality control and all that. Anyway, while he's down there, he falls ill to a pulmonary embolism. He didn't even know that's what it was. I mean, he's a six, six foot four, you know, healthy guy, athletic, but long story short, we finally, you know, and he collapsed down there in front of his hotel room. And I mean, it was serious. By the time we got him back to LA um, and got him to the ER, they rushed him back and did all these tests and a trio of doctors, a pulmonary specialist, cardiac specialist, and the ER physician came out and told my wife and I, we should sit down. I, we're still thinking it's an asthmatic reaction or something, even though we didn't have asthma. Maybe there's mold down there in the hotel or something. I don't know. We're thinking antibiotics and, you know, we're good. And they set us down and they say, we don't think that your son is going to live through the night for sure. Not the weekend. Because what had happened is he had walked around on there for so long with the pulmonary embolism. And then we'd put him up on an airplane, 36 thousand feet for a six hour ride back to LA. So the result was 80% of his lung tissue, they said is dead and he won't get that back. His heart is two and a half times the size of what's normal. His liver is failing. His kidneys are failing. He's dying. So, you know, that rocked our world, but long story short, because it, you know, each section of the story can be a story of its own. But, you know, um, I mean, God did a supernatural miracle in his life. And four days later, without oxygen, um, he was discharged from the hospital. Barely able to walk and still sick, still the heart enlarged, the lung tissue still dead, but could breathe on his own. So I fast forward, you know, about 60 days where now he's had a he's had a miraculous um, event in the middle of a worship service, like we described earlier, where his heart was healed. I mean, instantly it just went. He felt that he was trembling, he was shaking, and he's not a demonstrative guy like that. And and it was it was a miracle. God just fixed his heart. Um, so we're sitting on the front porch of our house in Long Beach at the time, and you know on this porch swing, looking to the ocean. Steven is sitting right next to me, my son. And while he's, re- he's, he's well at this point, there's not a heart issue, n- no issues, but it has done a number on his body. And he's still trying to get his strength back and, you know, walk a longer distance or whatever. And I get a phone call from a company who is, it's a big biker group that has done this West coast biker rally every year. And they hire me to come out and do the entertainment because I hold, I do the Harley pull, which is a world-class, you know, feat. I have the world record in that. In fact, of course you and do. then, <laughs> and then, and then, you know, there's thousands of, you know, Harley riders and bikers so I can entertain them. And then I can get up and talk about them because I've got something to say. And, we checked the calendar date that they were asking. It was good. We booked it. I hung up the phone and I turned to my son and I said, Stephen, you know, what would be ridiculous is let's don't say anything to anybody. Um, and we show up for the event. And it went, when it comes time to, uh, to do the feet, I'll just back away from the straps. You walk up and grab the straps and you do the feet. Now, mind you, I got to set it up for 12 seconds. So even if you are in the world of strongman performing, 
that's not an entry level feat. That is a no. thousand fifty pounds of pull each direction. Oh my gosh! And you got to pull it, hold it together with your grip. And he's how not is even, it even possible? But all right, I digress. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so, and he has prior to him being sick, I couldn't beg him to go to the gym. That was not yeah. his thing. So, to me, the strongman, you know, legacy was coming to an end. Right. And 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 at this point, he's six four, but he's like 170 pounds. He's not strong. He's he's learning to walk again, all that kind of stuff. And so I said, you grab the straps and you do the feet. And he said to me, he goes, dad, you think I can? And when he said that, I instantly heard this voice in me that said, choose your next words extremely careful because this is his moment like yours was at eight years old. And I was aware when my dad just took the moment in the middle of a heroic thing and he Mm -hmm. said something to me that set the trajectory of my life. I knew I was getting ready to do that. I was going to say something that would shift Stephen's life. And so I just stopped for a second and I said, son, I know you can do this. This is what you were born for. And I'm telling you, 42 days later, he pulled the feet off. And from that moment on, every week of his life, um, he just continued to excel. And now he's surpassed where I was at my best, which is a father's dream. Now he's one of the top performing strongmen in the world. Amazing. Amazing. And you two travel together and speak at events and capture people's attention at events the way you do. Truly amazing. It's such an extraordinary story. I'm so glad I got to share that. Maybe we'll just hold on to that for our community members and we'll just keep that one secret and like buy them because that's just (laughs) cool. I don't know. It's just so cool. It's so interesting. I love that. There's so many layers to you and I really genuinely appreciate you taking the time to to come share it with us in our community and to stay in touch with us when you checked in on me, see how we're doing. Just so sweet. Like you're just such a genuine good guy and we appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. There you have it. That wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'd like to personally thank Stephen Miller for being here as well and sharing his awesome story. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you got some value out of it, please share this podcast with a friend. Let them know what we're doing here and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Don't forget, each and every week, we do a full-featured article on every one of our guests. This week is no exception, so go over to americanstippets.com, check out the full story we did on Stephen Miller, watch the video interview in its entirety, re-listen to the podcast, and there's some links there as well that you can use to follow Stephen Miller on social and learn more about him and what he does. Don't forget, we have a free shirt offer going on right now, uh, just head on over to greatamericansyndicate.com. Check out the free shirt that we just designed for you. All you have to do is pay shipping shipping and handling, and we'll get you one out right away. Uh, again, we're big believers of the America dream, the freedom and opportunities that we have in this country. This is a patriotic podcast, and that's uh, why we designed this shirt. That's why we started this brand new community. If you want to join our Facebook group, just head on over to facebook.com forward slash great American syndicate. Again, we appreciate you being here today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. We'll see you next week. Yeah.